This is Adam Francis, and you're listening to the Equipped Indoor Podcast on the E2E Radio Network. Stand by for a great show. Welcome back, guys. Episode 407 of the Equipped Indoor Podcast with your host, Adam Francis, Robert Oliver, and Dan Eastland. And oh, what a winter it's been. Guys, we're back from a week hiatus, uh, unfortunately. Um, we had to cancel last week's show. We do apologize, but uh, I was sick. I'm actually still getting over it. I had a, a respiratory thing going on uh, for two weeks now. I'm on some, some good meds now, and apparently I gave it to Robbie over the phone because, uh, Robbie, now you're not feeling well. It's, no, it's, this, well winter. Nah, it's this winter. It's this winter, man. I dangerous of some of the stuff you do over the phone. <laughs> uh, Dan, how do you like the snow, man? <sighs> You mean the devil's dandruff? Oh man, it is it is ridiculous. I, man. We had a we had a guest come up from Florida yesterday, and Mark, I'm glad you got back home safe and uh, had to drive him back to the uh, to Reagan National last night, and about you know a foot of snow. And unfortunately, his flight was uh, on time and everything. But it's been a crazy winter, man. I don't know if I could buy this global warming thing. I know people like oh you know. You know what do they call it now? Climate change. I don't even call it calling it global warming anymore. But we've had some pretty severely cold, ridiculously snowy winters here recently. It's ever since you moved to the north, Dan. I blame you. Problem solved. I don't know what Beth is going to be doing next year, but this is my last winter up here. <laughs> Forget and this, Ro- guys. I'm going home. Yeah, screw you guys, Robbie. Uh, how's North Carolina been? You guys have been getting hammered with snow as well. Oh yeah, I got like eight or ten inches here the other day. That's crazy. I mean, that, like, how how frequently have you seen that in your lifetime? Maybe half a dozen times. The last two years, last year and this year, and before that, I mean, snow was like a rarity. Yeah, I don't know, man. You guys uh, focus on getting your uh, winter vehicles, uh, you know, squared away, or your your winter kits, I should say, for your vehicles for next year. I know those guys up in Boston. We have a a uh, colleague up in Boston, and she uh, says she's ready for the beach because all the snow that she's been shoveling, it's been like her workout plan. Uh, they're getting hammered up there. I think they've broken all you know records they've had in Boston. So it's pretty can crazy. Ag- can we all agree that it's time to release a little more greenhouse gas? <laughs> I know, right? That we've, cut, we've cut our production too far, and this frozen wasteland of a hell is, is our reward. You know, but ice would be twice as nice, Dan. Twice S- as nice. Says who? <laughs> I think Robert Frost, right? <laughs> I don't uh, know. You know, another ignorant Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> check it. Check oh. with Hemingway on that. I bet he'll have something else to say. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, hey, guys. The Equipped Door Podcast is brought to you by Dogwood Custom Knives. Check them out at dogwoodcustomknives.com. Dealers at USA Made Blades, Edgeworks Online, and Arizona Custom Knife. Actually, you need to call Edgeworks. I think he's all out of some Dogwood Blades. I was there the other day, and he needs uh, I think he needs some more... Uh, Beautiful pieces for his display cases. He does, and uh, he's he's part of the back order that I'm getting through right now. Okay. Also, Live Fire Gear LLC. Check out LiveFireGearLLC.com. And, uh, man, we have got everything in colors, guys. So if your local dealer or distributor does not have what you're looking for, uh, tell them to say, hey, we need some orange paracord or fire cord or whatever because everything's in. And uh, there's some back orders for a while. The demand was so high. But, Robbie, I want you to guess what the most popular paracord colors are right now. Green and black. You would think. But it's actually Coyote, then Multicam, then ACU, then black, 
and then Thin Red Line. For a long time, Thin Red Line was the most popular. But yeah, Coyote. Everybody loves Coyote for whatever reason. So uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the way to go. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into, is there any news, anything that you guys want to talk about besides the weather being ridiculously cold and snowy and stupid? Yeah, there's a lot going on, but it's all dark and and down and depressing and nasty. And I, I'm already getting that vibe from the two of you, so I don't really want to fuel that fire today. Oh, do well, it, man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down and depressed. I'm just high on cold medications. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on the high medications. Yeah, <laughs> Robbie, I, I'm gonna. I'll be down in a little while. I got some documents I need you to sign. And no kid. <laughs> so what? What do you got, Dan? Flare, flare up the podcast. Yeah, I'll have to go dig back into the file. A lot of it is uh, is cop related, and a lot of the stuff that's been going on lately. That um, we we had, you know, what was that cop conversation that we wanted to have with Dan, Robbie? I yeah. don't recall. Yeah. Oh, man. That's the reason I've buried all these files, because every time we talk law enforcement between the three of us, 90% of it can't be recast. <laughs> we get into shouting matches and, and uh, whatever. Well, Robbie did have a pretty cool law enforcement gear pick. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I want to talk a couple little videos. Uh, one thing for our premium members on the E2E website, uh, we have a Reliance of the Works Hawk Nest giveaway, so you guys check that out. That's on a video and a forum, and it's really easy to enter. Just jump on the forum, say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in receiving that. We're going to pick a random person, uh, I think, at the end of the month here and be shipping them. Or is it the 15th? I can't even remember. You guys got a couple days. All right, you, you either have nine days left or you have, like, 24 days left. All right, so our 25 days left. So regardless of that, get on the forums, check it out. Uh, you know, Matt Gillenwater uh, sent that to us. It's a great item. He actually uh, sent me another one with E2E um, symbol on it. I love it. It's a beautiful piece. I know Dan already has one. So Excuse me, I got four of them. You can't win one, all right? So, yep. so stop being stingy. Hey, what about right, my son? He's got one too, man. I know, but you know, you're not supposed to know that. You have one. He wants one on each hip. Is that the is that the deal? You know, he uses them uh, for uh, shell bags when we go bird really? hunting. Yeah, well, that's that's a good idea. I mean, it's it is a multi, it, it's a multi-purpose pouch. It really is. I mean, if you're into you know like bird hunting, you can use it for that. Or if you're just into kind of the uh, old method of of camping and kind of bushcraft bushcrafting in that style, it's it, it's a beautiful piece. I it really is. A, I hadn't put a shoulder strap on one, and Beth uses it as a purse. And, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Robbie, how do you ha have yours kitted out? I know you got some secret kit you haven't told me about with your uh, Actually, with your Hawks. Not only did I, but I built a second one uh, with a Hawks Nest for my father as a Christmas gift uh, with a survival kit for, for you know, his wilderness hikes and, and walks through the deep woods. Uh, it's perfect size, man. You, you can get... You can get everything you need, you know, your, your primary concerns, you know, shelter, uh, fire and water in there without a problem. Absolutely. So good volume. And then, of course, you'd have your uh, hawk kind of fit in between that, your belt loops, uh, and nest in there really well. If you're into the, like Robbie, you're a big hawk guy. Yep. I wish I could get my axe handle in there, you know, like my proper axe handle. But I, maybe I just need to, you know, go to the dark side of the of the axe and get, get on the hawk game. I just ordered a new one. Did you? Yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, I haven't received it yet. Six-week wait time on it, but uh, I got the uh, Woodsman Hawk from Two Hawks. Uh, we'll see 
you know, what the quality fit and finish is on that once I get it. I can't wait to check that out, man. We also want to remind you guys to check out the website at www.equiptoendor.com, guys. The website is growing. We're very happy. we got a, a bunch of E2E team members that are now adding additional content that we're releasing weekly. weekly. We have articles, blogs. You guys go on there, start off your own photo albums. You can upload or share your own videos from YouTube and talk with your friends. And, of course, the forum section is growing as well. And then, again, we're also doing uh, giveaways that are for our premium members only on the website. So check it out, guys. Very easy to join. Just jump on there, start your fair play account. Uh, the price is also very inexpensive. You know, for a couple cents a day to a couple dollars a year, if you want to go and sign up for a year, we'll really appreciate it. It helps us do what we're here to do, bring you guys more information, build that community sharing of learning uh, so you guys can come on there and have a place to come. And one of the great things about it, we've talked about it before, is, you know, our forums and everything, it's all by first name basis. You know, these are all real people. There's nobody there that's trying to perpetrate that they are something that they're not. We want to learn. We want to idea share. And it's just a great place to do that. And we're really happy. We've talked about, you know, some of the challenging, the challenges from forums and other places. But we really feel that we've uh, solved that issue. And uh, for a place to learn, you just can't beat it. So, guys, again, check out the website, www.equippedindoor.com. Sign up. Start your Fair Play account today. And become a member. Okay, let me see. So that was pretty cool. Also, we've been doing a pretty cool series on the website from uh, our good friend Madison Parker down in Florida. And he started off with some, you know, Madison's a slingshot nut. And so we were on the phone talking about slingshots here recently. I was like, hey, man, you got to, you know, give us some videos about your full, you know, teaching and training about the slingshots. And one thing that is an expense for slingshots is the ammo. Now, Madison really makes some robust slingshots with really heavy bands, and you have to have a heavy ammo that's going to be able to deliver all that energy. Because uh, if you use a marble or something like that, it's going to you know, spin that marble so fast, it's going to arc to the left or the right, kind of like a musket. <laughs> and uh, so he has some really nice uh, three, is it three quarters, Robbie, uh, steel ball. And he also casts his own uh, lead slugs. So this is a, a two-part series. The first part, it kind of goes over some of the equipment that he has, kind of some of the safety issues with lead. Lead can be dangerous to work with, uh, but he also talks about some of the modern ways to cast lead and some primitive ways to cast lead if you want to do it yourself. So if you guys have ever been interested in doing that, it's a really great series. You know, Madison is just this, you know, he's this classic constant tinker. You know what I mean? Like, he will figure out, you know... If he doesn't have it, he'll go out in the woods, chop down a tree, and make it, whatever it is. I mean, you know, casting lead rounds with green, uh, a green tree limb is pretty, pretty fascinating. So we got that, as well as our good friend James Montana over there in the jungle. Uh, he started a jungle tender series. Uh, so there's a part one and a part two coming out. Just uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, very, very cool stuff, and we should see some more stuff from James here. Uh, James might be uh, coming back stateside, Robbie. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I'm, you know, it'd be pretty cool to, you know, get to see him a little bit more often. He's only allowed to come over to, you know, not allowed to, but it's it's an expensive flight to come from uh, Southeast Asia back to his home uh, where he's originally from in New York, but pretty cool. And then I, I kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit more. Um, we did a review of Ace, and it was probably the strangest review I've ever done. I don't think anybody's ever on YouTube reviewed their dog, um, but uh, that was uh that was a long time coming. I know, Robbie, I've been talking about it. And Ace, I think, is six years old now. I think he's probably gone through all the phases of his, his development that we're ever going to see. So it's probably a good time to sit there and, and you know, revisit that and, and kind of tell the story of Ace. And 
Um, I'm very happy with them. Uh, so what, what do you think of that video, Robbie? Was it, wasn't it kind of cool to look back in time and see all the different video clips that I had with him? Oh, yeah. I, I forget how much of a puppy he was when I first met him. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, it was kind of a... It was kind of a sad type of like, you know, looking at your kids when they're little. I mean, because my kids are still little, you know what I mean? But like, I can understand that looking at baby picture getting a little teary-eyed with my puppy. I'm looking at that a little, you know, stuff back in the day when we were doing some early bite work at the first PWIP that we ever met. And uh, I think he was like, you know, 10 months old or no, he might have been, might have been older than that. You had cats in the cradle playing in the background, didn't you? Oh, did I ever, man. (laughs) And uh, it was so funny, you know, when I was shooting that video because I was shooting into my office and then... I kind of had in my mind as I was talking the the videos I'd go and pull from, and it's funny, man. I was fine. I found a video, Robbie, that I made before, when we first met. This actually this before we met, before we met at PWIP, and you had sent me a letter, and I actually did a video to show you what I was doing with Ace, and this is before I was properly trained by you, um, and it just it was interesting, man. It was pretty cool. Um, it's an old old video. I don't I don't even think it's still up on on YouTube anymore. I think it's only on the website. Uh, I was out at a park kind of showing you what I'm doing, and I remember the conversation you called me up afterwards and saying, hey, you need to do this, and when he does that, that's good. You, you know, this is what's happening. It was pretty cool, man. Um, but I, I did want to talk a little bit about the price point. It is an expense. It is a, kind of a life-changing thing. Um, but I saw some some interesting comments, and I want to kind of speak about Craftwork uh, in general, Wayne Curry. And, you know, Robbie, we had Wayne Curry on the podcast many years ago. We've had a couple conversations with him. Um, You've seen, you know, his caliber of dog that's come out. And I have to say it's kind of uh, upsetting. There's a lot of hate towards him. I guess when you're the big guy, people kind of hate you. And I saw a comment on um, the video that somebody said that, you know, there's an article in the New York Times how Wayne refused to do something about a dog he sold and shipped to New York City. And left it overnight at the airport, right? My opinion is, is you know, if if Wayne sells me a dog, you know, I, I pay for a dog, I pay a pretty penny, and I ship it, and he ships it three thousand miles away from me, away from him. He's in Washington State. Uh, who does that dog belong to, and whose responsibility is that dog at that point, Robbie? I would assume it was the customers. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with the ar- article, so. I'm not familiar with the article as well. I, I saw that and I and I did a little a research and it was one of those things where I when I when I bought Ace I did research and you always you know there's people praising there's people you know saying bad things but you know you and I have had conversations with Wayne I've had several conversations with Wayne I've never met him in person of course I'm on the other side of the country um, but that seemed like something that's kind of that's kind of silly you know once you make a commitment and you purchase this animal and you you know you uh, ship it all the way across the country. I don't even know how he's, what is he supposed to fly across the country to pick up this dog he's already sold to somebody else? I think this doesn't make sense to me. I, if, if I, if I was, uh, you know, out at work and got stuck at work, am I going to call Wayne and say, hey, remember that dog you sold me, Ace? Well, I'm not going to be able to go home today to feed him. So I'm going to go ahead and need you to fly over to, to Frederick, Maryland and feed my dog for me since you, since I bought it from you. You know, again, uh, not knowing, not knowing this story. Uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to comment, but I, I mean, it's like anything else online, dude, the, the, all you ever get is someone's opinion of one half of a of situation. A story. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just remembered, you know, I had, I had Ace flown, uh, from Washington state to Reagan national where I picked him up the first time. And I mean, I, I remember I was there like a, an hour and a half early 
waiting for him to get off the plane to you know, feed him and water him and everything like that. See, that's and, that's why I had mine just hand delivered. <laughs> I mean, it did cost a few dollars more, but it was worth it. Yeah, it costs a few dollars more and a few gray hairs more, right, Robbie? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? You probably you've probably blocked that out of your memory. Yeah, that's that's uh, there's an alcohol-induced coma there somewhere. Well, it, I don't think it, it helped that my dog wasn't a gimp. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I need to, I need to smack. Have we ever told anybody that story? I don't even know if we should. It's probably it's probably too much for anybody to handle. We'll get we'll get all emotional on the podcast. What what's your what's your opinions about? You've met Ace, uh, Dan. You know what what are your opinions about what he's seen out of craft work and and uh, what do we we call him Big Ace and Tall Ace? So we're talking about Big Ace, not Tall Ace. Uh, I'm sorry, you mean Small Ace? Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll leave you alone for a while. Um, you know, I I am very impressed with Ace. Um, he's a great dog in every way. Um, you know, he was bred for some very for some very specific traits, and he's a great example of that. He's healthy. He's he's got a stable dis, uh, temperament. He's an outstanding dog. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the one comment about the dog getting left at the airport, that comment ha- lacks, there's no, in no way is there enough detail in that comment to really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, from my position, once I hand a knife, like once I hand a knife off to UPS, mm-hmm. it's you, I was, I've ensured that it's going to be transported in the way. Yeah. Whoever's picking that up is responsible for, you know, being home when it's delivered or making arrangements for it. So obviously, I mean, there's a lot of things that could go wrong, but I just don't understand how that would happen. Yeah. I mean, I understand we're talking about a living creature and everything like that, but I I can't, you know, you know, this is, this is somebody who, you know, has other responsibilities and other dogs that tend to and take care of. And for him to be able to have to fly out across the country to take care of somebody else's dog that is, has made it a, a, a legal agreement to take ownership and responsibility for this an, animal. I don't really see, you know, unless it's, it's, it's spent somebody's spinning from, for their mistake, you know, for their, their lack of, uh, of taking up their responsibility. Cause I guarantee, I guarantee you being a craft work owner as well, that there was a lot of signatures and signing and understanding of roles and responsibilities to take ownership of this animal. Plus, it's not a it's not a a cheap thing that somebody should do on a whim. You know, I don't know the last time you spent a couple, you know, you know, thousand bucks on a, uh, on anything, but you just don't you know wake up one morning and nonchalantly throw a thousand couple thousand bucks on something and then be like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and leave that at the airport. I'm not gonna worry about that. Something else that I found interesting is there was a couple of comments about adopting from shelters. And yeah, I've got, so, uh, tall ace is from a shelter. Um, but matcha, I, I bought from a breeder and for a pet, always go for the shelter for a working dog. Sometimes go to the shelter. Uh, one of the reasons I didn't go to a shelter for matcha is I wanted very specific traits. And by going through a breeder, I knew what traits the dogs in her bloodline had. So I knew the probability of her having those traits. And then when we evaluated her, when those traits were there, 
I could be absolutely confident of, of what I was getting. Where with a shelter dog, not only do you not know how they were treated before you got them, uh, but if you want something like, I don't know, say a protection dog, you want to be very certain of, of what you're getting. I mean, if, you, if you're somebody with you know, 30 years of dog training, handling experience, yeah. <clears throat> Robbie. Yeah. I mean, Robbie can go into any shelter and and you know just smell the air and walk directly to the the dog that'll be a perfect uh, you know service animal in, in in multiple in multiple different facets. Yeah. Um. I mean, Robbie, how many how many shelter dogs have you trained for different you know working jobs? Would you think? Well, if we, if, if all types, if you consider all types of work five or six yeah and that's a very good point robbie could pick out the exact dog he needed i needed to handicap the process a little bit to make sure i got what i needed so you know robbie you've always you've always made a good argument with me because you know it's it's funny um when we're talking to somebody about buying a dog and what what is your saying robbie it's like you you can have two olympic athletes that have a kid and you know that kid still may not be an Olympic athlete, right? You can have you can have two children born from the same parents. One is an Olympic athlete and dumb as a brick, and the other can be a bookworm who has no athletic ability. You know, it's it's luck of the draw on genetics. Well, and I guess too, people get. I was I just happened I was thinking that people I think also get the wrong idea about breeding. For example, Matcha is she is crossbred between two different breeds of dog to get the specific traits we want. It's not about you know a pure bred. It's about getting the traits you want. Yeah, we you you've talked about the hybrid vigor uh several times, Robbie. Do you want to try to explain some of that for some of the, the class out there that maybe not know that concept? Many times hybrid vigor, uh, well, hybrid vigor, vigor is just the idea that when you have uh, two different breeds um, together, the, the strongest genetics will usually uh, take over, meaning it's a, a method to weed out negative genetics that that may lead to uh, uh, disease or, 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 you know, genetic problems. And so, you know, if you take two animals that, that both bring to the table aspects that you want, but may, because of a lot of inbreeding, uh, have genetic flaws such as hip dysplasia or whatever, and there is the possibility of breeding those two breeds together and through that uh, hybrid vigor, the animal or puppies that are born not have the negative aspects that were present in one or the other uh, of the original parent breeds. Yeah. The whole, you know, breeding is a, is a fascinating science. I mean, there, a lot goes into it and it's actually interesting. I have seen some of the photographs of, the breed standards changing over the years because of inbreeding, which can be a problem. Um, but you know, I, I don't know, Robbie. What you know, there are some. Uh, I guess when people are breeding for certain certain traits and you know for health and not necessarily trying to breed for color and look, 
those tend to be the little bit stronger breeds. Is that is that correct? Yeah, there there are a lot of uh, custom breeds out there now, and uh, some are, are developing s- specifically for working traits. And uh, the health of those breeds tend to be pretty good. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the idea of, of breeding for specific traits is, is not anything new. I mean, it, 99.999% of the dog breeds on the planet were uh, done that way. That there's, yeah. there's very few what, what is considered primitive dog breeds. Some of the jungle dogs that are out there uh, are considered primitive dogs that, that happened by natural selection. But mm-hmm. the majority of the dog breeds on the planet are, are you know, man-made. Yeah, Dan, you had a you had a interesting jungle dog story when you were in in Columbia, right? Um, yeah, it was two. It was a couple of interesting things. One, at some point, a wire hair terrier had gotten loose in the jungle, so there were a lot of dogs with the with very distinctive traits. But there was one that you know it looked like a Rhodesian uh, Ridgeback. It didn't have the Ridgeback on it, but everything looked Rhodesian about it. And I had made the comment and guys were giving me a hard time about, you know, where did the Rhodesian Ridgeback, how did it get in the jungle? I was just taking hell about it. And one of the, uh, Goran, the the senior guy that ran Tanamboca, during the trip finally mentions the Rhodesian Ridgeback he brought with him. Oh, really? And it was, yeah, it was one of those aha moments that, yeah, I, I enjoyed being able to say I told you so to everybody. Uh, but part of the conversation was how do because there was a couple that were obviously of a mastiff descent, and there were a couple that were obviously of like a wire hair terrier descent. And there was a lot of conversation over how does this bloodline get into the jungle? And then it's fascinating to see what traits carry on and what traits die out in that kind of closed population. And, and, in uh, and in uncontrolled breeding situations as well. I mean, what, what, and, what indigenous canines are in that area? <sighs> Robbie could answer that better than I could. No, I've never been to Columbia. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, you know, it, so in, Germany, you think of uh, Domain Pinchers or Rottweilers or something like that. I don't know of Colombia having a national dog. No, but I'm, I'm so saying I'm, there's no wolves or other coyotes or. No, and that's the other thing is um, jaguars love dogs. <laughs> They're tasty. Uh, for whatever reason, so the dog population out there, uh, you know. The, the wheat die off very quickly in the jungle. And it's it was fascinating. What I saw while I was down there was two very distinct bloodlines were little, aggressive, feisty terriers. Uh-huh. And then these big, well, relatively big, they were probably you know, 80 to 120 pound uh, mastiff of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um and those were the two bloodlines that that were surviving in that area. 
So I guess the uh, feisty terriers are just too much hassle for the uh, jaguars because they don't want to get hurt? Um, well, I don't know if it's that or if they're small and quick enough to get away, um, feisty enough to put up a fight if they get cornered. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly which trait makes them most survivable, but it could be that they're too, that they're small and quick and they're hard to corner and three or four of them are feisty enough that they're a pain to deal with. Well, because the ja- Jaguars are very, um, you know, they're silent hunters. They, they don't want to get hurt. So they're not going to try to, they're not going to go for a hard target, right? Yeah. They're, matter of fact, the, the guides kept telling us that if you see a Jaguar, don't worry about it. The one you see is not a problem that they, they're considered cowards. Um, because they'll only attack from behind. Now they have in just off the scale bite strength. And if they attack you from behind, you're pretty much dead. Yeah. But in the jungle for an animal, just the slightest cut is, can be a death sentence. Um, because things can get infected so quickly. Yeah. So, so a Jaguar will only take a from the behind 100%, no question kill. Yeah. Or it'll just run away. Huh. What's their main prey? Do you know? Uh, from what I understood talking to the guys down there, anything that they, anything that they can get their mouth on. Okay. Um, you know, they're, they're opportunist, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they have specifically. Um, Robbie just shot me a photograph of this. What is this? A manned wolf, Robbie? That thing looks yeah. crazy. Yeah, I was just looking at that as well. I guess you didn't see any of that. It looks like a fox with like almost deer length legs uh, and very shaggy. You know, it's like a, a fox head on a very shaggy, tall dog body. And, you know, it's, th- it's red and tapers black to the paws. Yeah, the, it looks like something from the island of Dr. Monroe. <laughs> yes, yes. What were you saying, Robbie? Well, there's, there's canids you know, spread all over the planet. So, you know, it, to find a location that doesn't have a Aboriginal dog, at least in its history, maybe, maybe they're not as, as prevalent now um, as humanity has spread and wiped them out. But, you know, canids covered this planet just like every other animal. And so, you know, the, the domestication uh, of different types of canids wolves specifically uh you know it's pretty much a worldwide phenomenon yeah yeah so it's pretty interesting if you look at some of the other pictures on that thing they start to look uh some of the pictures look almost hyena or a jackal Uh, there's some pictures of them with a fuller body and a mane that uh they start to go from weird looking to hey that i think that might eat me i wouldn't want to meet one of those things Oh, uh, Robbie would just do the Mick Dundee secret outback trick and make yeah. it just fly down in front yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, just howl at it. It's a pretty crazy dog, but the ears are huge, man. Like satellite dishes on its head. And so it shows its, I guess, uh, crab-eating fox. So it's, I guess, off the fox lineage um but yeah that the mane looks very it's very tall it's almost like a it's almost like a deer 
body ratio with its height. Very interesting. So we really got off uh, off subject on that one. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's circle back around to gear before we lose our other two uh, listeners. <laughs> All right. Well, Robbie, why don't you go first? This is actually a pretty interesting thing for our, our law enforcement uh, guys out there. I might, you know, this might be something I need to go pick up. Yeah, I, I just ran across this back brace that was built to work with like a Sam Brown belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, a back brace built to work with your duty belt to uh, take you that duty <laughs> to take that lower <laughs> back strain off of the officer or or any kind of person who has to wear a, a bunch of junk on their belt as part of their job um, to prevent, you know, back injury. So basically, it's it's a wide strap that you you place behind, you know, in between your back and your belt, and then your belt your uh, your belt loops or belt snap uh, belt keepers kind of go, you know, you so you take your belt keepers, you have your inner and your outer belt for your Sam Brown belt. Your belt keepers will go through a loop on one side, up the other side, and through the loop the other side to come out and secure your inner belt, outer belt, and this this pad or this brace uh, right in the small of your back. So, and for you, you know, for some of you guys out there who you know, younger guys or whatever have your handcuffs in the small of your back, don't do that. That you know, that's that's like one of the worst spots to put your handcuffs, cuffs, especially if you're you know, you fall on your back or whatever. Of course, Robbie probably had his handcuffs in the small of his back. Sometimes so. I had handcuffs sprinkled around my belt like it was, you know, decoration. <laughs> Going out of style. Mm-hmm. So definitely a pretty cool thing. I, I did buy a uh, a belt support system actually back when I injured my back, and I just go can't... ahead and admit it's a girdle. No, it's not a girdle. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you a belt to wear around. I mean, you had you had a belt in the army like this. Yeah, kid me. I had wet, I had almost forty five pounds of web gear. Yeah, you know how how much of a pain in the ass this is. And, and yet, I never wore a girl. It's not a girl, dude. Have you <laughs> did you even see the picture, man? I'm not talking about Robbie's thing. I'm talking about yours. You don't even know what I'm going to talk about. But I know it was a girdle. It wasn't a girdle. <laughs> this thing was a. It actually went over, uh, went around your shoulders, so it was like a shoulder strap. Uh, that came uh, to the small of your neck, went under your right arm and under your left arm, and then snapped into the side of the belt. But it was underneath your uniform shirt. Um, it was pretty cool. I got one. You know what? I, I lost it when I moved, and I never uh, I never installed it. The only problem with it is you needed to cut holes in your uniform shirt, uh, which I'm not big on doing. So, girdle. You need a girdle. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, sensitive today. I, you know what, man? I, 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 I am... It's the mess, I, man. I need to, I'm not I need even to, having to work hard. It's not. I got to go to work tonight, and I need to go back to bed. We were. Uh, I know the wife. I go upstairs. The wife had to take one of the kids. You know, we're just sharing. Sharing. You know, where everybody's stuck at home in snow. The girls have been off of school for like three, three out of five, five days this week. And uh, I love my children, but I, I do need a break. <laughs> and of course, um, you know, it's just the the snow. I can't wait for spring. Spring can't come long, soon enough. Your your belly aching about the snow, Dan, is is very uh, is very justified right now. This is the, one of the few times I'll say that your complaining is justified. So wow. Well, Dan, what do you, you got? Must be high. No, I'm not. I'm not. Robbie's got the the cold medicine. Robbie's in an altered state right now. Do not d- look directly at the Robbie. 
(laughs) (laughs) Right now, Robbie, are you thinking, man, I wish I had taken that red pill? A little Matrix reference. That's the problem, Dan. I took the red and the blue. (laughs) You got all purple. That's right. What you got for us, Dan? Um, You know, I have been... I've been reinventing the wheel trying to come up with the perfect fire starter. And I finally just had to admit that um, flares, they're not perfect, but for a couple of bucks for a pack of them, these little three-minute flares from Orion are about as good as you're going to get. Talking about the, the the when you got to burn everything down and, and light the gasoline bonfire from thirty feet away. Yeah, well, and these are um, yeah these you don't fire these they're handheld like road flares but they're small and they've got about a three minute burn time. And it's the the same strike on the cap concept, and the only way I found to improve on these would make your fire starters so expensive no one would buy them. Yeah, this is, they're waterproof, they're self-contained, they'll light in any weather, and it's three minutes of burn time while you build your fire up. How expensive are they? Um, I've shopped around and found them, I think the least expensive I've found is 28 bucks on Amazon for four of them. Oh, wow, that is pricey. And, yeah, uh, I mean, they're not, these are for emergencies only. This is not what I would use to start my fire. just whenever they're good for their shelf time is about two years a little longer Uh, or excuse me yeah depending on how you storm we'll say two years that'll give you plenty of a safety margin but this is for the the no no kidding Uh, i'm going to set this tree on fire so that uh, when the forest service comes out to put the fire out they can give me a ride home real emergencies so your plan is when you get lost is to start a forest fire. That sounds like a good idea, right, Robbie? Sounds like a foolproof idea. Yeah, I it guarantees that someone is going to come get me. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now they don't. Now what they're getting, they might not know. You know, they might have to identify you by your teeth. But you know, hey, you know, I might be a little crispy, but hey. At least you won't be cold anymore, Dan. Exactly, and I am just about to that point. Man, when I... uh, I'm so tired of winter, I'm going to light myself on fire. There you go. When I did the the tough guy race in England, um, some of the obstacles were stacked up hay bales that they had soaked with kerosene and set on fire. And there were little embers coming off of them. And the guy in front of me, we jumped over the hay bales, and then there was a, a trough of water. Maybe ten feet across that we were going to have to go through, and uh, a burning ender landed on his tights and set his tights on fire, and they started burning. And it startled the guy, and he slipped and fell in the water, and was furious that the water had put the fire out because that was the first time he had been warm all day. <laughs> I am uh, almost to that point where I, if I caught on fire, I would be upset at you for putting me out. I'm sorry, Dan. We'll get you warm here soon enough. Come on, guys. It's March. It's March. March. That's spring. It doesn't snow in March. That's not right. 
Yeah, March 21st, right? Isn't that the first day of spring? It'll be here before you know it. Uh, I know, I, but back home, they're already wearing sundresses, man. <laughs> well, you know what? I know that your your sundress collection is probably dusty right now, and malls are probably eating it through the winter, but you'll be able to wear them soon, Dan. Don't worry. Well, All right. I've, I've put on a little, little weight, so they're a little tight, but they're still comfortable. <laughs> They breathe right. well. My gear pick is the uh, Cita Summit three-piece X set. Uh, now, basically, these are these are a, a collapsible mug, bowl, and plates. Very neat. It's got a aluminum base, aluminum, uh, uh, I guess, plate at the end, and then it's got food-grade flexible silicone that kind of compresses, kind of accordions down, so it's nice and flat. But you can actually boil water on it. Now, as long as the you know, as long as the fire fire is not hitting the silicone, you'll be all right. So these are more used for gas stoves and alcohol stoves and stuff like that. Uh, but they're freeze-proof; they will not crack in extreme cold. Come come with a couple different colors. Like I said before, they're food-grade and flexible. Collapse for flat and compact storage. And they're pretty lightweight. So uh, the three-piece set starts about forty-nine ninety-five. You can get it on, um, you know, Amazon or at other stores. Uh, but it's pretty cool. I think they're they're uh, something that I'm definitely gonna be picking up here soon. You know, because it's going for a more compact thing, and you can never have enough bowls and cups and, and pots to cook what's, in, right, Robbie? What's the volume like on them? Um, I mean, it's it's here's a picture of it. Uh, I'll send it to you real quick. It's pretty large. I mean, it's something that you can boil water in and cook your, you know. A proper meal in. It's not. Oh, here small. we go. Six ten, six by ten by three inches. There you go. That's pretty cool. I mean, that'll actually yeah. hold a meal. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, some of the ultra lightweight stuff. Yeah. Ten, Apparently, the, the reason those people are so skinny is because they don't eat a full meal. And, yeah, I've never understood that. Yeah, I mean, the shipping weight is 10.4 ounces. So that's in the box. So you guys can imagine how light it is when you get it into your pack. So it's pretty cool. I saw it on a video. I shared it with Robbie. I'm going to pick up one of those. Maybe, you know, do a review, test, all that other good stuff with it. Um, but definitely a very cool item. Yeah, and, uh, I'm digging huh? it. So awesome piece, of, awesome piece of kit, it looks like. So now it's not as rustic. You know, some of you guys might want. But, you know, every once in a while a gadget is pretty good. And this is something you know, that... I'm not a reenactor. Yeah, I hear I, you. I don't need to be out there with a wooden bowl and a tin cup. <laughs> I hear you. All right. So, what else we got? Personal interest? What do you got, Dan? Um, I've got a couple. Uh, the first was I found uh, I have found this subculture of people that are taking. Uh, what we used to call the short buses, the small school buses. Mm-hmm. And they are converting them to, for lack of a better term, luxury campers. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll rip out the seats and put down wood flooring and wood burning stoves uh, or uh, old style naval uh, suspended cooking uh, ovens. Yeah. And yeah, I got to admit, not only are they really cool, and some people have come up with some ingenious things to do with them. Yeah, but you know, it's it's not all the negatives of a Winnebago, but it does have things like a warm, comfortable bed. Yeah, and I'm reaching that point in my life where that's got more value than it used to be. Yeah, you're you're not you're not going out in the field to impress anybody anymore. Yeah, I used to be hyper light and be all proud of the fact that uh, my entire kit would fit in someone else's sleeping be- sleeping kit. Uh, I'm not that guy anymore. 
I'll admit it. I'm, I'm a little old. I'm a little softer than I used to be. So it, it is, uh, it's been, it's entertaining to see some of the stuff that these guys have been able to do. Yeah. Robbie, what do you think of this thing? It looks pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm game. Let's all get one. Yeah. Like we all have our own or we all share one. No, I need my own. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much one of those buses, those old buses cost. You know, well, it's it's a lot, like a lot of things. It depends on how much work you can do yourself. Yeah, so this is a 1959 Chevrolet Viking short bus, originally designed to take 12 passengers. And I would like to say that uh, I think that's a little bit biased. In other words, it's a short bus to you people who didn't ride it. Those <laughs> who rode it, it was just the bus, not a short bus. It was just the bus. I'm sorry, Robbie. I, we are so insensitive. You know, what can I say? Uh, now, now is, 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 is everybody doing, like, kind of, this is kind of a do-it-yourself project that you see a lot of people doing it, or are there actually some companies out there doing the refurbs on these and selling them? I have not found a company that is refurbing them, but mm-hmm. you know, they've got to exist. If I'm sure there will be a Kickstarter program for it next week. <laughs> Oh man, well, I know things like this are really big in Australia. They they like take these old jeeps, and they uh, they you know they cut them up and make these little uh, machine like they had hydraulics in them, and so you push a button, they pop out and they go up and out, and there's a bedding area. We saw some of them at the uh, that show last year at the Harrisburg show, Robbie. You remember? But yep. those those were like extreme expensive, like you know pretty high end this this looks much more evs expedition vehicles yeah these, these look much more like folk i that's the only where i can you know kind of you know kind of uh kind of gy- modern gypsy you know what i mean like if i if i were to you know put this in and you know it wouldn't like be like a modern gypsy carriage Dan? i think that's probably the best description i've heard but um, i mean it's, it's beautiful i mean even but, the lighting the lighting's amazing but and these guys yeah, they've gotten really into it, and you can see a lot of uh, like shipbuilder influence. That you know, so if the Winnebago is you know a, a, um, a houseboat, then these are yachts. Yes, I can. Now, I it's can... all it's fine wood. It's this elaborate cabinetry that is very efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'm not saying that I would do it today because I've got a few other projects going on. But well, this this is definitely something for like a – this isn't something for a family. This is like for a retired couple. Yeah. Uh, although you could – I have seen some versions that were finished out to be uh, a little more practical and less showpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, that had uh, – I've seen one that had a small bathroom facility and it had um, – and it's – the versions that I've seen that have been most practical, it was not trying to contain everything inside the bus. Yeah. So it was like the old uh, campers where you might have the bed in the camper, but everything else folded off of the side, and that was the kitchen area and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it was yeah. the same concept with this, that there were a few a few things that were kept inside so that they were extremely comfortable. Mm-hmm. 
but the idea isn't to contain everything you need inside the bus. And if you look at the roof rack, it's huge. I mean, there's a staircase off the back for a giant. I mean, basically the whole shape of the um, roof, there's a giant grate up there where you could, you know, carry everything else. Um, I mean, in the photographs that we have, and we'll have the link in the show notes, guys, this isn't a, um, something that, you know, it, it's, it's full of doors and packing and stuff like that. So we're going to kind of cut a short day today. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. I apologize. You know, we've been gone for two weeks, and we come back for a short episode. We're a bunch of jerks. Yeah. Yes, you do. are. Oh, no, I'm sorry. So, guys, make sure you head over to the Equipped to Endure website at www.equipedtoendure.com. Become a member. Join. It helps us out. It is a low price, and you get tons of extra videos, blogs. Hey, Ace, what's up? And uh, you're in photo area. And, of course, the forums and educational videos you can't see on YouTube. So, join today um all right we'll tune in next week guys we'll have another show for you and we'll be back and hopefully everybody will be not under the weather and speaking of the weather the weather will be better get out there do some more videos and get ready for practice to preach all right you guys take care be safe out there and remember if you're not always prepared you're never prepared thanks